This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Hey, y'all, and welcome in to another edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, coming at you with a quick episode. This is going to be kind of our coming off a road trip Wednesday to Thursday episode where I break down the initial injury report of the week and then get into a topic in the back half of the pod. It's going to be a two-segment pod, and the second segment is going to be about injuries as well. So basically what we had today is we had an injury report come out. I'm going to go through all that, but then we got to talk to Derek Carr, which surprised me. I think the Saints are heavily invested in the idea of a smokescreen because I don't think Derek Carr is going to play. I don't think that Dennis Allen thinks Derek Carr is going to play. But we are still going to sit here and talk about the prospect of Derek Carr playing. And it's interesting because I think if you left it up to Derek Carr, he would be out there playing with that AC AC shoulder joint sprain that we all know way too much about. But first things first, you know, we also should mention that Alvin Kamara is back at practice. We did talk to him today, but I do want to save that for our final episode of the week because that's going to be talking a lot about what he can bring to this offense against the Bucks. So that's more suited to our preview episode. So stay tuned for that later in the week. This is going to be a injury-specific episode, not a suspension-specific episode, which we could spend a whole lot of time on. But let's go through the injury report. Obviously, as you could have probably guessed, Derek Carr is on the injury report. He is a DNP. I expect that to be the case for the next three days. So we don't need to get into it. We can talk more about Derek Carr in the back half. But there is one injury on here that I think is notable because Jordan Howden ended up on the injury report late in the week with a finger issue. Now, he played through it in week three, but it does sound like that finger issue might be more significant than it appeared. And so here's what Dennis Allen had to say about it today. And he was pressed on it. And, you know, you, you, you decide for yourself whether you think that this is a significant finger injury or not. Jordan Howden uh, injured his finger last week in practice. Um, he he uh, had an injured finger and, and uh, played through it in the game. 
Um, and and so he's he's out right now. Um, and we'll we'll see where he's at as the week goes on. Was that something that like had to get surgery after the game or, or something like that? Yeah, I'm not going to get into all the specifics. He's got a finger. Um, you know, I know you guys are doing your job and everything, but um, ultimately there's an injury report. He's got an injured finger. Didn't practice today. Um, we'll see where we go throughout the week. Yeah. So I mean. I don't know if he's going to play. I think a finger issue is one that you should be able to recover from pretty quickly. You should be able to wrap it up. You should be able to cover it. But I do wonder if not for Marcus May's suspension, if you would even be considering playing with this, if this is something you would want to let heal. Either way, Jordan Howden, I thought, did play pretty well. Mike Haas talked to Mickey Loomis on WWL this week and kind of got into Howden's performance. This is what Mickey had to say. You know, we also had Jordan Howden who got the start yeah. and placed Marcus May. And I thought he performed pretty well for his first outing. And so it's, it's nice to have a rookie class making uh, an impact and contributing, contributing to your team in their first year because I typically don't expect that but it's nice to have. And I agree with that. I think Jordan played pretty well. There were some rookie moments. I think he took some rough angles, but all in all, I thought it was a pretty impressive performance for a rookie in his first major role. Obviously, he got into dime packages uh, in weeks one and two, but this was his first real trial by fire. I thought he stood up pretty well. Obviously, we all know how that game ended. We all know that the Packers came back, the defense got gassed, and, you know, I don't think we need to get into a ton more on the defensive side than that. A lot of people come keep coming at me telling me, well, this defense, why isn't this defense good? Guys, they shut out the Packers through three and a half quarters of that game. I mean, <laughs> there's only so much you can ask a defense to do. The offense needs to control the ball to some extent. They were not able to do it. And I think you just saw defense get gassed. It was not Jordan Howden's fault. I thought he played fine. That's one to be one to watch because... If he doesn't go, where? what are you left with at safety? You know, you have some options. You have Lonnie Johnson. You have Ugo Amadi. The Saints did sign Daniel Sorensen to the practice squad. I would not be surprised if he gets called up if he has a significant role. There were a few other notable roster moves that we can talk about. I know some listeners of this podcast will be thrilled to hear. Traquan Smith, he's no longer on the Saints. He has been released from injured reserve. This is what Dennis Allen had to say about it today. Well, we actually couldn't have kept him on IR because he was actually healthy. So we had to make a decision, you know, at that point in time. And, and uh, you know, I think we just made the decision that we would go ahead and release him and give him an opportunity to go uh, potentially sign with somebody else. Does that also speak to the comfortability you have with some of the receivers in the building? That Yeah, look, that- we feel good about the guys that we have. Obviously, you know, our top three have played – you know, really well for us. You know, we feel good about Kirkwood. Um, you know, they, they, I, I just I feel like that's a that's a good room. We've got a couple of good young receivers that we like. Um, and so, you know, we felt like that was the move to make in the best interest of our football team. It was an interesting answer to me because they didn't technically have to release him this week. They could have waited one more week, but he is healthy. So they would have had to make a decision one way or the other on him and so he's going to get a chance to sign somewhere wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in Denver either way not on the Saints anymore we don't have to talk about how important blocking is for wide receivers the Saints team likes its wide receiver room good for good for them good for Traquan hopefully he can latch on somewhere but that's one of those moves the Saints also released Kirk Merritt off of the practice squad and and that's been kind of an interesting saga I don't know what the deal is there 
Um, you know, the, he he got, he made the 53, never really got an opportunity, got sent to the practice squad, got released off the practice squad. It's strange because there are roster spots available. The Saints are not hurting for roster spots, although they did lose one this week in terms of Alvin Kamara is back now filling one. So you're kind of just looking at that. But either way, Kirk Merritt is no longer on the roster. I almost wonder if there's a point with some of these practice squad guys where they see, okay, I have a better opportunity to go play to go sign with an XFL team to go sign with another team not in the NFL and actually play as opposed to being on the practice squad so that's gonna be something but let's get back to the injury report next up obviously Derek Carr move on from that Caesar Ruiz that is a significant injury to watch because we've seen this offensive line it's been rough with the guys healthy I'm very concerned what might happen if you have to go into a week with guys getting hurt, with guys going down without Caesar Ruiz. So he's in the concussion protocol. Who knows? There's no way to know how quickly he's going to get through that, whether he'll be able to play. So you're going to have to look, okay, is this a Nick Saldaveri week? Is this finally, you know, we saw Kendra Miller and Jordan Howden last week. Kendra Miller made his, de- made his debut after missing a couple weeks with injury. Saldaveri hasn't been hurt. Saldaveri has just been inactive. So maybe this is the week he makes his debut. That'll be one to watch. I think I know the Saints are high on him. I know that they really were confident going after him. So if Caesar Ruiz can't play, you're you're probably going to see Andres Pete at left guard, James Hurst at right guard again. But if one of those guys has to come out, Saldaveri is probably the next guy off the bench. Storm Norton, interestingly, was signed off the Saints practice squad and is now on the Falcons. So that's an interesting one. And the Saints, as I predicted signed Jake Luton off of the Panthers practice squad. There were a few options. Dennis Allen said they looked at a few options. And I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Simeon was among them, if Ian Book was among them, guys who can pick up this offense quickly because they've been in it before. But it's going to be Jake Luton. He will be on the active roster because you have to, you can't sign someone off the practice squad onto your own practice squad unless they want that. But I believe that he will be on the active roster and he'll be the backup quarterback so that you can utilize Taysom Hill. Because Dennis Allen has been asked a few times about what the goal is with Taysom Hill. Are you going to change his role? And this is what he said today. Yeah, I don't think a whole lot's going to change. Um, you know, we'll, we'll uh, you know, obviously we got a plan in place. You know, in terms of what we're going to do, I certainly don't want to, you know, kind of kind of give away our secrets in terms of what our plans are schematically and, and who's playing when and where and all those kinds of things. So uh, obviously, guys, we'll have a plan in place uh, regardless of who's playing at the quarterback position and, and uh, we'll be ready to go on Sunday. Yeah. So you're not. Yeah. I mean, the idea is you're not going to lose Taysom Hill and Derek Carr because Derek Carr is out. Right. Like that would just be foolish. You're not really expecting Taysom Hill to be in that backup quarterback role. So now you can still use Taysom. So you are at least not losing two players because one player is hurt. Going back to the injury report, Paulson Adebo. I've been high on Isaac Yadam throughout camp. I feel like I've made that pretty clear that I really like Isaac Yadam. I think he played well with Paulson Adebo out, right? I think that he is a guy who you can trust, particularly in those nickel packages when Alante Taylor is in the slot. And you saw Alante go outside and base personnel and go inside in nickel. And, you know, you can talk about whether that might be not the optimal setup, but if he is your best nickel corner, then yes, it is the optimal setup because at least that way you are getting your best players on the field as opposed to hoping that Ugo Amati or someone else can fill in in the slot. And I think long-term, his ability to do that is an is a is a weapon 
right? His ability to play both inside and outside, that's going to be an excellent feather in his cap, first of all, in terms of getting a contract in a few years when he's due one. But it's also going to be a big advantage for the Saints and that versatility. You know, like Marshawn isn't a guy who goes inside. Like Marshawn is one of the best outside corners in the NFL, but he's not a slot corner, right? That's a different game. It's a different skill set. And Alante, I think, has shown pretty well. He was all over the place. But again, Isaac Yadam, seven pass breakups in that game. Or seven, seven, he forced seven close catches, which is a huge number. I think he had four pass breakups. So, you know, I think they feel confident with him on the outside. And, you know, that makes you feel a little better if Paulson Adebo is still going to be nursing that hamstring injury. You don't have to rush him back if he's not ready. So hopefully he can get back this week, but there's no guarantees. Going down, the only other injury on this list, Foster Morrow dealing with that ankle issue. You know, that's a bummer because I think that he was kind of starting to come into his own. He was getting into the offense a little bit more. He caught a couple passes against the Panthers, and he's out. You know, we did see Jimmy Graham have a slightly bigger role. He caught a touchdown. And as long as Foster's out, keeping Jimmy Graham on the roster feels a lot smarter because I think with him out, you do need that extra body. And uh, so I expect if, if Foster can't go, which ankle injuries can be tough, then I think you'll see another week out of Jimmy Graham. Speaking of Jimmy, he is on this list again, but as a rest day, he and Ryan Ramchek are both kind of on the same program. They didn't get rest days last week ahead of the Packers matchup. They are getting rest days ahead of the Bucks, and they also got rest days ahead of the Titans. So it's like, I think the program is, you know, every two weeks you're giving them a rest day. Um, and as long as they're healthy, that's great. Now, Ryan... I would like to see him play better. You know, we've talked about the offensive line and, you know, a lot of people keep saying, well, Trevor Penning is the huge issue. Guys, if you go back and look at that and we'll talk about this more on the next podcast, Trevor Penning had his best day as a pro, at least as a starting pro against the Packers on a day where the offensive line got torn to shreds. It was not Trevor Penning. And you might say, well, he's getting help on that side. And sure, that is a factor. But two of the sacks were allowed by Ryan Ramchick. Two of the four sacks were allowed by Ryan Ramchick. One of the sacks was allowed by Eric McCoy at center. And then the other one was a really bizarre kind of setup where you had a jumbo tight end in and Landon Young, who is the jumbo tight end, ended up singled up on Rashawn Gary, a guy who had two sacks already on the day, and ended up getting his third on that play. Trevor Penning only allowed one pressure in that game. He did have two penalties. And so you can look at that and say, well, he would have allowed more if he hadn't held. Sure. But the issue wasn't that he was in, that he was holding in week one. The issue was that he was getting beat so clean that he couldn't even hold. So I actually think Trevor Penning progressed a little bit. My issue is you're supposed to have a lockdown star right tackle in Ryan Ramchek, and you just haven't had it. And to me, that's an issue. To me, that's something you've got to fix. So, you know, Ryan's getting rest. Hopefully, uh, he can be better because that's, you know, you can talk about the young guys needing to develop. Uh, You're supposed to have steady starters in Eric McCoy and Ryan Ramchek. And I haven't seen that so far. So that's something I need to see. On the other side, you know, the the Bucs are dealing with injuries too. They didn't actually have a practice on Wednesday because they played on Monday. So Wednesday was a walkthrough. So these injuries are estimated. But still, you look at this Carlton Davis, toe injury, cornerback, limited. Then everyone else is a DMP. Jamel Dean, cornerback, dealing with a neck slash shoulder. Servassier, Dennis, linebacker, dealing with a hamstring. Kalai Jikansi, first-round pick, defensive lineman, dealing with a calf injury. 
Derek Pitts, another cornerback dealing with a hamstring. Vita Vea, pec injury. He's a DMP. And then Devin White, a foot injury, a DMP. So you're talking about some of the stars on this defense. Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Kalijah Kansi, Vita Vea, Devin White. These are Pro Bowl caliber players, all of whom did not practice on Wednesday or dealing with injuries. So, you know, I would argue that even if even with the Saints dealing with their quarterback as a DMP, I think the Bucs might actually be in worse injury shape in terms of, man, if you don't have these guys out there, uh, I think a Jameis Winston offense is more than capable of making it hurt. So that's going to be something to watch. But that's the injury report breakdown. We're going to come back. We're going to have another segment. We're going to get dive into a lot more of what's going on with Derek Carr. Where is he at? What did he have to say today? We talked to him for about 15 minutes. He was very open about how the injury affected him, you know, how he was feeling coming off the field, you know, and, and this is a guy who does not want to miss games, right? Like he, everyone says that, but there are certain players who, who live that, who embody that. Drew Brees was like that. Derek Carr is like that. So he's going to do everything in his power to play. And so we're going to talk more about that. I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. Just for a programming note, this is how we're going to work this. Because of the travel, because I'm traveling with the team, road games are going to be tough to do a post-game live chat. So for road games, we are going to loop back around and do something on Monday, which is what we did this week. And then I'm going to do a solo podcast on Wednesdays, breaking down the injury report, like just like you heard, and then getting into a little bit more. It's going to be a little shorter because you only need to hear from from my long-winded, uh, long-winded self for so for so much. But then we're going to have a full episode that posts on Fridays, which breaks down the upcoming matchup, gets into some topics around the team. For example, this week, Alvin Kamara, what his return is going to mean, that sort of thing. Now, on home games, so like the we're, the Saints are at home in week four against the Bucks. I will have time to do a live chat after the game. So we'll be going live Sunday, presumably around 5, 5.30-ish, whenever, you know, it's based on how long it takes the game, how long the post-game interviews are, how, how long players are hanging out in the locker room if they win. Usually we get the access a little bit later because they're partying and then we get to them. So, you know, that, that's kind of up in the air. But in those weeks, we will have our kind of normal schedule of post-game live chat. That'll post on the pod version after the game Monday at midnight, whatever you want to look at it. Uh, you will have that to listen to Monday morning. Then we will come back and record a Wednesday episode. It's going to be a fuller episode. And then we'll have the standard preview episode on that Friday. So I'm just trying to explain this so everyone kind of has an idea of when they should be looking for episodes. If they're on the road, expect a little delay in that post game. We will have one and it'll actually be more developed because we'll have a little bit more time to digest. I usually work on the plane and transcribe a lot of interviews. So by the time I record that interview on that podcast on Monday, I have a lot of information. Um, but just that's just something to keep in mind. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. I'm Jeff Noack. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noack. I've been tweeting out film notes of getting a little gripes from Odyssey, the company, about posting those on YouTube. So I may have to limit that going forward. But go check that out. And if you haven't left us a rating review on Apple Podcasts, please do that. Stick around. We'll be right back with all the Derek Carr talk you can handle. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold, the only podcast where you can listen to my nasally voice for about 30 to 60 minutes, three times a week. Yeah, I'm Jeff Nowak. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. And as promised, I want to dive in a lot on the Derek Carr availability today because I didn't expect to hear from Derek Carr this week. He always talks on Wednesdays, but when you're hurt, you do not have to talk to the media. So I think him choosing to speak with the media is a pretty good indicator of kind of how he's approaching this week, which is he is approaching it exactly as he would if he was healthy and preparing to play because in Derek Carr's mind, he is fully planning on playing on Sunday. It's just a question of whether his body allows him to do it. And I think Dennis Allen is more than happy to play into that because it allows him to maintain a smokescreen of, uh, we haven't decided yet. So Tampa, go ahead and prepare for both quarterbacks. Go ahead and prepare for Jameis Winston. Go ahead and prepare for Derek Carr. And whichever one's out there, good luck. You know, the, the, the funny thing is he hasn't actually presented Taysom Hill as an option. And if Sean Payton was still here, 1,000% would have been like, yeah, it might be... Uh, it might be uh, Derek. It might be uh, James. Hey, it might be uh, might be Taysom. Heck, we might just run Wildcat with Alvin Kamara. Get ready for it. Um, and then it would just end up being you know James, like everyone knew. But you know, this is kind of the the situation you're in. And so this is the, just this is kind of a distillation of what Derek Carr talked about today. You know, if it was just up to me, I'd just be like, yeah, I'm playing. I'm going out today, you know, and and you know they they'd probably have other words than that. So you, you got to work together. And, you know, DA and I talked and we're on the same page. Like I said, I'm not going to, if I can't help the football team, uh, you know, I, I'm, I will never do that to our team. You know, this is about winning and it's about the team. But if I feel like I can help us win, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm confident and, you know, landing on it and all that kind of stuff, then I'll be out. How, how hard of a decision is that to make? Because obviously your nature is you, you oh, yeah. don't want to say can't go today. Yeah, like I, I've taken a lot of pride in, you know, not missing football games no matter what, you know. And uh, uh, it, it's a tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, looking ahead at how long the season is and all that, you have to be smart. Um, and that's what DA and I talked about. But, it, again, like I said, if I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. So I'm I'm preparing to get ready. You know, I'm, I'm preparing to get ready to play, uh, just like Jameis is, just like Taysom. Uh, we're all preparing to get ready to do whatever our role is, uh, and hopefully it works out to where I can play. Uh, you know, but – uh, but for me, you know, we'll just keep keep it up in there for that. They ask like on the scale of like one to ten, like no pain, ten a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah. Where are you on that scale right now? Oh man, I'm not feeling any pain right now. I'm doing great. Yeah, I think what you hear there is is pretty honest, right? Like Derek Carr is not a guy who wants to miss games, right? Like he's not. He is a player that doesn't get hurt really. Like he's been very durable throughout his career, and he's played through injuries traditionally. He hasn't missed a ton of games. He's kind of like Drew Brees in that way. And if you go back to 2014, Drew Brees had a similar injury, an AC joint sprain. We don't know the severity of Derek Carr's because no one will tell us what grade it is. We've asked Dennis Allen multiple times. He always says, yeah, he has an AC joint sprain. What grade is it? It's an AC joint sprain. Yeah, we know, but what grade is it? Well, that's all I can say. It's an AC joint sprain. Thanks. Um, Drew's was mild, and he was able to play six days later against the Steelers on the road. He actually threw five touchdown passes that day. He did not throw a pass throughout the week, but he threw five touchdown passes in the game. And if you want to hear more about that, Drew, uh, Mike Triplett from New Orleans Football was able to catch up with Drew. He did a really good interview. Uh, and that kind of he kind of went through, okay, this is the the rehab. This is how you got to deal with it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's tough. And 
I asked Derek today, you know, is this, have you ever had an injury like this to your, to your throwing shoulder? He said, no, you know, he actually did have an AC joint sprain to his left shoulder when he was at Fresno state. So he has an idea of what that shoulder is going to feel like for however long it takes. But obviously having that injury on your throwing shoulder is a lot more significant. He actually said if the injury was to his left shoulder, he would have probably just shot up some painkillers and gone back in there. But you know, he couldn't even lift his arm to throw. Like he was, there, there was no way he could have come back in that game. And you know, that's, you know, you can tell like it pains, it pains Derek to, to, to have to deal with that. Right. It is not something that he takes lightly. Um, and so you're going to, you're going to see it, but you know, this, the, the question I had for, for Dennis Allen, and he's going to continue to have the smokescreen, even when they make that decision, he's not going to tell us, but I asked him, he's like, when do you need to have that decision by? Because, you know, with a lot of players, I think you can get away with saying, yeah, it's a game time decision. We're going to see how he feels Sunday morning and we're going to, we're going to get him in there. But I don't know if you can do that with the quarterback. I think when you're coming up with a game plan, you know, Jameis and Derek, they're similar. You don't change the offense that much when you're switching between them. That's kind of what teams are looking for when you have a backup quarterback. You want them to marry the style of your starting quarterback to some extent so that when they do get in there, you don't have to completely revamp your offense. You can just say, okay, this is what we're running, and you can go with it. I don't, you know, like the, the whole Jameis Derek thing, it wasn't planned like that. The idea wasn't, okay, we have Derek Carr. Now, which backup makes sense? It was, well, Jameis knows the system already, and now we're bringing in Derek Carr, so I guess we'll just make this work. But they're not the same quarterback. Like, they don't play the same way. You you have to adjust. And I think that's why you saw this offense struggle so much in the second half of that game in week three is the offense was not prepared to play the way it needed to play with Jameis, right? And and like Jameis, I think, ran the offense reasonably well. There was penalties in that second half. The, the, when you go back on tape, you look at it, and it wasn't as bad as it felt when you're watching it live and the Saints can't move the ball, like, you know, they got to the 37-yard line and then the offense decided to to punt or Dennis Allen decided to punt. I still hate that decision. Whatever. You know, there was a long run by Taysom Hill that would have set up a drive and there was a hold. It got called back. You know, like there was that first and 14 play that they decided instead of starting the drive to, to act as if, you know, this was a do or die moment and drop back in this seven step drop play action and then got toasted in second 22 drive over. And, you know, there was instances where you needed to, you needed to adjust and play differently and they just never did. And so I, what I'm trying to get to here is if you are going to start Jameis, you have to have a game plan for what Jameis is going to do and for how you're going to play with Jameis. So you can't just create a game plan for Derek Carr and then at the last second plug Jameis into it and expect him to have success. They're not the same quarterback. They do things differently. Their 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 strengths lie in different areas. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And this is what Dennis Allen said when I asked him that question. Is there a point in the week where you do want to have that kind of decision made or are you comfortable going to the weekend to Sunday what would that Well, I think I think there's a point um where we where we got to you know kind of make a decision but um we're not at that point right now. It's it's a situation where 
you kind of let the, you kind of let it play out throughout the week, um, and then come Sunday we'll 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 have a good plan in place in terms of what we're going to do. So yeah, I mean, again, he's not going to tell us. He's not going to be like, well, this is the quarterback. They're going to drag it out till Sunday, I imagine, or at least until Friday when you get the game day designations. And I think there's a chance they rule Derek Carr out. But more likely, you're going to have him questionable. So, and, and why wouldn't you, right? Like, that's one of the things that everyone kind of gave Sean Payton a hard time about. But in the end, it's like, you only have so many advantages that you can work to your benefit as it pertains to availability, <laughs> right? And it, and while I don't think the Bucks are going to be sitting there being like, well, they let Derek Carr talk on Wednesday. He must be, he must, he must be the guy, right? Like they must be prote- like preparing to play him. You can't not consider that. Like you can't only prepare for Jameis. And the only way you can is if the Saints tip their hand. So, you know, as annoying as it is, as someone who just wants to know, uh, I understand why there's this smoke screen uh, around it. And it is it is interesting. And, you know, DA is talking about Derek Carr saying, okay, he, he feels better now than he did on Monday, than he did on Tuesday. And that's great, you know, but I, I'm more worried about that Patriots game. I want Derek Carr to be ready for that Patriots game. And the reason is, you know, if this was a situation where you had an all-pro def- offensive line, right, where where you had Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek playing like Ryan Ramchek and Max Unger and and Andres Pete a couple of years ago, and you know, if you if you had that group and you're like, well, we can protect him, we can we can scheme it up, we can get the ball out of his hand quickly, and we can make sure that he's not taking any big hits. I don't have faith that that can happen. Uh, and we asked Derek Carr about the protection today. And, you know, we got the answer that you, you might expect, but, but here it is. You know, that, and it goes hand in hand, right? <clears throat> On that play too. I, in fact, I held it a little long too. I could have checked it down below the sticks, but you know, me, um, especially on that down in distance, I was trying to wait for something, you know, and if I get hit in that situation, I was like, ah, oh, that's on me, you know? Um, but there's, there's things that we can all do better. And I think, I, one thing I know is that we're going to work to correct it because we have the right kind of people. Uh, does that mean it's going to be an immediate fix? I don't know. I hope so. You know, I think they hope so too. Uh, but it's just an area for us right now that you know we're trying to improve on, and hopefully we do. Uh, you know, for this game, you gotta plan for the idea that he's going to take hits. And you know, we we talked to Dr. David Elias, and one thing that he made clear is like this is not an injury that you're going to worsen by playing. Like. If you're if if you're dealing with any soreness, any issues with that shoulder, throwing a football is not going to worsen it in the sense that if you are healthy enough to play, and you're not gonna you know you're not gonna exacerbate the injury any further simply by playing. And they're gonna put pads on it. They're gonna make sure that he's taking the least impact possible on that shoulder. But again. The, we've seen the offensive line. Anyone who's watched the Saints is aware that the offensive line is on the struggle bus. And so in that sense, like you can't just look at it and be like, well, we're going we're gonna to go on faith that he's not going to take any more big hits to that shoulder because you haven't been able to protect him when you didn't feel like he was a wounded animal in there. How are you going to do it when the defense knows that and they know one good hit, he's out of the game this, the Bucks are more than capable of putting pressure on the quarterback. So are you going to have to come up with a scheme that limits what you can do with him offensively just to avoid those hits? And if you're doing that, then you might as well not have him in there. So that's kind of where I land on it. I think this team is going to play it safe. They are aware that 
this could have been a lot worse, right? Like when he came off the field, even he admits he was fearing the worst. And I don't, of course you would. I mean, he did, he, he looked rough, you know, and he, like he said, he couldn't lift his arm. And so you're thinking broken collarbone. You're thinking we have to figure out how to win with Jameis the rest of the way. You caught a lucky break in that he didn't catch a break. And that means that he's potentially on the field this week. But are you really going to push your own luck when you have Jameis here for a reason? It's honestly not dissimilar to what you saw last year where Jameis Winston you know, had the back injury coming out of Atlanta. And you signed Andy Dalton. You brought Andy Dalton in because you were like, we want a premium backup. We want a guy who we can trust to put in and not be like, well, this guy's hurt, but he's going to play through it because we don't trust that guy, right? Like, who was Drew Brees' backup in 2014? Can anyone name him? Was it Luke McCown? I can guarantee you it wasn't someone that you felt confident could go in there and win a game. So that's where I think, you know, one of the things I was most critical of DA about in that last game, the the blown lead to the Panther. I'm sorry, to the Packers was you made so many of the same decisions that I felt like led to you blowing the lead against the Bucks in week 13. And, and, and the example that I look at is the fourth and fo- one on the 42 or whatever it was in Tampa and you punted here. It was third and six at the 37 instead of trying to field goal you punted and and that type of decision making is what allowed you to lose the exact same game twice in in less than a year and so are you going to make the exact same decision that cost Jameis Winston his season last year by putting Derek Carr out there as a kind of a wounded animal and hoping for the best or are you going to start the backup quarterback that you have here specifically for that reason and uh, I think it would be foolish for them to put Derek out there, you know, as, and, and I think it's going to be a tough sell to Derek um, to keep him out. But, you know, th- sometimes you got to protect players from themselves. And that's it's kind of where I'm at with it. Either way, you know, the tone that Derek is striking, the, 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 the situation you're in now, you know, you, you have to feel at least somewhat confident in terms of, man, if you go out there, even with Jameis, like I get it. You want to start Derek. You want to, you want to keep your starting quarterback intact. I think you can go out there with Jameis and win that game. And if you do, if you can, in in the way you were not able to last year in a game that you probably should have won in week two, uh, you are sitting pretty in the NFC South. You would be three and one. You would be in first place, I believe, because you would be two and zero, oh, and the Falcons would be one and zero oh in the division. And I think just from a tiebreaker perspective, that would get you the job done. Even if Falcons win, the Falcons could lose the entire NFC South loss last week. So you know, I think. I just don't want to see this team repeat history and make the same dumb mistakes year after year after year. And so we'll see. But that's going to wrap up this episode of Inside Black and Gold. We went through some injuries. We went through the Derek Carr press conference. We went through my expectations. And we're going to come back for an episode that posts Friday morning with some more specific breakdowns of what I expect to see in that Bucks matchup. You know, what Alvin Kamara's return can do for this offense, that sort of thing. We're going to try to have a guest that breaks down, you know, what Tampa's looking at, what they've looked like so far, what the Baker Mayfield experience has been like. So stay tuned for that later in the week. Again, I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. If you don't follow us on Twitter, do that at Saints underscore pod. We're on YouTube at WWL Sports. We do some fun stuff on there. Uh, so so check that out we'll be hopefully doing a live chat after Sunday's game and hopefully it'll be a happy live chat 
because the Saints have won. They're three and one, and we can get excited about it again. Because uh, I just want to stop talking about that Packers game as soon as humanly possible. But all right, thanks everyone for listening. Who dat? Go Saints. Be easy, y'all. Peace.